Good morning, church. Seth, thank you again for opening the pulpit today so I can be a guest preacher with you. And thank you, congregation, for being part of this covenantal relationship that makes the UCC what it is. I am a member of the Chicago Metropolitan Association. I am currently serving as transitional minister of Faith Mennonite Church in Minneapolis. This is now my fourth interim position. And being so focused on transitional ministries, I engage scriptures asking, what transitions are this writing community encountering? How are they navigating the complex dynamics of transition? How are they managing changes? How are they engaging the spiritual work of transformation? The verses we're about to hear from Isaiah come from a time when the exile is ending. About 70 or 80 years before the scripture, Jerusalem had broken treaties with the Babylonian Empire. In retaliation, Babylon had destroyed the cities of Judah, including Jerusalem, then desecrated, looted, and razed the temple, deporting most of the population. That's the exile. By the time this section of Isaiah is written, the Persian Empire conquered the Babylonians and released all the people the Babylonians had relocated, encouraging them to go to their ancestral homes. Resources were allocated to Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. These verses in Isaiah anticipate that construction is about to begin. Now, that temple stood for over 550 years when King Herod declared he was financing a renovation. When completed, the Jerusalem temple was considered one of the most magnificent buildings in all of the Mediterranean. This is the temple Jesus would have visited. About 40 years after the arrest, trial, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus, the Jews revolted against Rome. As punishment, the Roman military desecrated, looted, and razed the temple. Many Jews then were taken as slaves, several thousand being put to work on projects like the Colosseum in Rome, and hundreds of thousands were sold into enslavement. Luke's gospel then is written yet a couple of more decades further, after the temple is destroyed. This is the same building in two scriptures. Hear these words from Isaiah as the temple is about to be rebuilt, and words from Luke after the temple is destroyed. First, a reading from Isaiah. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. 
They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And a reading from Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not a stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not immediately follow. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. In addition to approaching scriptures and looking for the transition points, I also try to listen for the tone of voice. Studying these scriptures, I heard a tone that I had not encountered before with them. Reminiscence. Now, I may be hearing that tone because I've been doing a lot of reminiscing lately. There's been this series of events that naturally generate reminiscence. Earlier this year, I celebrated the 20th anniversary of my ordination. My father-in-law passed away this spring. This summer, my spouse celebrated a milestone birthday. I physically reunited with a friend I have not seen in 25 years. A month ago, I attended a 30th year reunion. Those many milestones have me reflecting on what I've learned in those time spans, how I've grown as a pastor, and what I do now differently in ministry. Reminiscing is a natural part of transition, part of what I guide as an interim minister. Remembering where we have been is part of any transitional work, be that coaching or grief counseling or strategic planning. The ministry part of that work is to inquire, where was God in those times? What reminds you of when you previously encountered God? For Isaiah and for Luke, the temple is that reminder. Because their circumstances are different, we're drawn into a dialogue about encountering God in endings and beginnings. Isaiah's community is remembering 
when the first temple was destroyed. As I said, the, the kingdom of, or the empire of Babylon came in and raised the land, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, including the temple. And for Raiders of the Lost Ark fans, this is supposedly when the Ark of the Covenant was lost. Nearly all people who survived were then relocated. The survivors of Jerusalem's destruction believed they were being punished by God for having broken from divine covenants. They wondered if God could hear their prayers without having a temple in Jerusalem. They wondered if God would even listen to their prayers, or perhaps God had abandoned them. Still, they continued to pray. By the time of this portion of Isaiah, prayers had been answered. Persia conquered Babylon. Jews were released by the Persians to return to Judah and promised resources to rebuild the temple. The temple they will build is the temple Herod will renovate. It's in that renovated temple that Luke has placed Jesus. Luke's community is reminiscing. In the chapter just before, Jesus has been teaching in the temple, debating with Jewish leaders, which in Luke always draws a crowd. Afterwards, Jesus is surrounded by people admiring the grandeur. I've seen that look of awe. I've seen it on children's faces during their first time at a circus. I've seen it on first-timers in Grant Park seeing the Bean or Buckingham Fountain. I saw it when my grandchildren first looked at Sue the T-Rex. These people are standing around pointing out delicate details, and Jesus says, none of this will last. Luke knows that the renovated temple will be destroyed because for Luke, it has already happened. Why then would Luke place Jesus in that setting? It's a bit like publishing something in 2022 that is set in the Twin Towers. Part of reminiscing is identifying what has ended. Why would Luke tell a story about Jesus in a temple that will be destroyed? It helps Luke's community to reflect on the many things that have happened since the temple was destroyed. It was the ending of some things, and they awaited the beginning of some others. Realizing we are at the ending of some things, but waiting for new things is a vulnerable time. We're alert for new things to present themselves. We keep looking and waiting. We'd like to plan for the future, but we're not sure what's reliable. The community Isaiah is part of is marking the end of being exiles. Exiles in a foreign country. Exiles because an empire destroyed their homeland. Exiles from their God. Cynicism prevailed as Jews considered their options. They're encouraged to return to the ancestral homeland, a place most of them did not know, a place that has been in ruin for 70 years, a place where there are no thriving cities, no productive farmland, and all the roads have been used by military convoys, not commercial caravans. Just what is the venue of hope and comfort, of help and prosperity? They did not see God's promises 
because they were looking at the rubble left by a vicious army. Luke is also looking at rubble left by a vicious army, reflecting on what has happened since. The Roman Empire used violence as their chief mechanism for social control. Military violence was the most brutal, but economic violence was the more devastating. Civic obligations were mixed with required religious, religious rituals, which is a type of spiritual violence. After the temple was destroyed, the Romans intensified their violent control. Luke's community already knew this, already experienced this. Romans had targeted Jews with persecution, and by the time of Luke's writing, that was more frequently experienced by Christians. It may not be happening here, Luke implies. It may only be rumors to you, but it affects you. Check your privilege, because that military violence, those economic manipulations, those many imperial violences could easily and quickly come to our neighborhood. From the voice of Jesus, be wise and do not be misled. Read the signs of the times and discern how God is present. Isaiah's community has returned, but they're wondering what God expects them to do with the rubble. They needed housing. They needed farmland, but it had been fallow for 70 years. And they needed industry. The prophet is out of step with them. The prophet is seeing God has already been creating something. The prophet calls the people to hear the word of God and again become God's people as something new God is creating, a promise of salvation that has already begun in their earthly spaces. The new thing we encounter and hear is God in real time, in real events, in real activities. Certainly, God was working within international politics, Certainly, God had anointed King Cyrus of Persia. Certainly, God has provided us a land to live within. Certainly, God is blessing us and is going to bless us with a glorious future. Isaiah's spirit soars, imagining the future God is promising as they begin to rebuild the temple. The prophet has also moved into a third part of transition. They move through reminiscing and reviewing the past. They've looked at the present, and because God is present, the prophet has begun wondering, what's next? God is inviting us into a new way of being. In the words of Isaiah, new heaven and new earth. In Luke, the time is coming. What's next? The human spirit rocks between backward-looking reminiscence of what had been and where we had already encountered God, and the forward-looking, imaginative visions of what God is inviting us into. For some, the next things can be frightening. We don't know how to plan for the unknown. For others, it's exciting. Anything seems possible. The prophet addresses both of those groups mixing together hopes and visions with present realities and pragmatic tasks. Look, says the prophet. The Holy One says, look. The Holy One, who was divine wind over chaotic, formless waters, says, look. 
and pay attention. I am creating once more, creating a new heaven and earth. This devastation shall not be remembered. And Jerusalem, what had been broken and defeated and disassembled, will be joyous. Look and perceive the promises. Children will not die. People will not grow old. And you'll have your own houses. Not assigned housing, not rented housing, not mortgaged property, but your own houses surrounded by bounteous farmland. Look, says the prophet, this is going to come from your own handiwork. This new heaven and this new earth, it's not going to be immediate, nor is it just going to happen. God will be transforming the world through our handiwork, through our labor, through us living faithfully. We'd all like transitions to be quick and smooth and easy. God is promising something more complex. Transformation beginning in what already is. From the rubble left by a vicious army shall come homes and farms and a temple and a new heaven and a new earth. Transformation begins in what is, not in what we want to become. Through the words of Jesus, Luke poetically describes the events that took place leading up to the Jewish revolt, leading up to the Roman destruction of Jerusalem. They also describe events that occur in every human generation. Right now, some leaders in our country are being identified as God-sent, anointed by the midterms. Our news feeds inform us of wars, of Russia troops in Ukraine, but barely mention other conflicts, Ethiopia and the Tigray people, Yemen, Myanmar, Afghanistan, Israel and Palestine. Holy One, in your mercy, cease our warring ways. Jesus speaks of epidemics and earthquakes and food shortages. Ecosystems which have been familiar for generations are now changing. Flooding in the southeast U.S. from hurricanes and yet the Mississippi River is at record lows. Droughts in Europe, China, Eastern Africa are creating global food shortages. But none of these are reliable signs of the end times. The immensity of them arrests our attention, overwhelming our spirits, and we may even be distracted from seeking God's activities. In Luke's message of Jesus, because we are followers of Christ, there will be more for us. Familial betrayal, harassment, arrest, public trials intended to humiliate. Look, I did not agree to these things when I was baptized. Why wasn't I told this before? Well, Luke is now pre presenting the prophet Jesus. earlier prophet professing after the exile standing in the rubble of the temple invites singing sing praises sing joyfully while you stand among that which has been destroyed glad because god is transforming all of creation and we are invited to participate this will become the center for international peace and the only response is disarmament 
We're invited to reshape weapons designed to injure and murder into tools for communal nurturance. Not only the physical weapons, but all the tools of warfare. Intimidation, isolation, degradation, torture, any militarization shall become unknown, replaced with resources for bringing peace. Live into that vision of God's realm on earth, renewing all we know, all we encounter, all becoming something greater than the absence of war, transformed into peace designed by God. It's, it's a common oversimplification to say the Christian scriptures are more hopeful than the Hebrew scriptures. That Christian scriptures speak of peace, hope, love, joy, delivering us good news for a happy life, while the Hebrew scriptures speak of judgment, wrath, condemnation, and punishment. Today's passages invert those expectations. The Hebrew prophet is proclaiming good news, while Luke's gospel has a threatening tone, saying the cosmos is changing into a more dangerous place. But Luke has good news to declare. Jesus is with us. Jesus will be with us. In any troubles, the promise of Jesus is to provide wisdom. Now, troubles and wisdom co-create new opportunities for the faithful. Testify. Testify that God is present. Testify to the transforming power of God. Testify about the resilience of faithfulness. Testify using spirit-given wisdom. In any transition, there are terrifying things to consider, and there are exciting things to consider. Scripture is consistent. Whatever the transition, God is present. And so sing out, testify, proclaim what God is doing. Scripture is consistent. When things end and new beginnings emerge, God is present and God is creating and the love of God within the new things is greater than our imagination. Scripture is consistent. God is present and God is inviting us into God's future. And there's a catch. The vision of God's future is made to communities. It would be easy to hear these promises for ourselves as individuals. Listen again. Luke describes Jesus speaking to a group of disciples. Throughout Luke's gospel, disciples stand in for the entire church. Isaiah is speaking to people being restored. These acts of restoration and transformation are for the gathering of God's people, the collective, the communal. Salvation is a group activity Justice and health found by collectively transforming the places of our homes and the holy places where we gather. God invites us to be communities of faith entering into the future with God, to co-create the time when God's presence is always known. The scriptures are consistent. God is present and God has already begun creating the future. We are invited to join with God now.